Transparency Talks podcast is brought to you today by Sincere Williams, a.k.a. Unc of SW Entertainment. SW Entertainment is dedicated to the healing process of life. With so many people dying around the world, beautiful souls are being taken from this earth due to the coronavirus, riots, and other things. These people's deaths are being counted as just numbers instead of lives. There is no mourning for these unfortunate lives that are being lost. SW Entertainment presents the highly anticipated song, I Miss You Deeply, sung by the beautiful and powerful voice of SW's Entertainment's first lady, Elise Camacho. SW Entertainment wants you to know that you are not alone. Let the healing begin. What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Butterby Rocker, here on Transparency Talks Podcast. Listen, we have an amazing show for you today. I'm super excited about our guest. Um, but before I bring on your guest, make sure that uh, while the COVID is going on, you are doing stuff to elevate your mind. It's a lot of time um, out there right now. So you could be, you know, this is a time where you could be working on your body, working on your mind, being extremely creative. When you get a free moment, make sure you read my book, Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying. Um, I did become an Amazon bestseller within seven hours, and it was endorsed by Mr. Les Brown and featured on CBS and ABC and NBC and Fox. So make sure that you support your girl. Also, Defiant Ones Teen Magazine is out the next um actual article comes out, um, magazine edition comes out on August 15th. They are on their seventh one. It's a magazine for teens by teens that highlights um, teen entrepreneurs from age 13 to age 26. But they also talk about financial literacy, bullying, sex trafficking, um, mental health and wellness of teens and young adults and a lot of other things. So make sure that you go out and support Defiant Ones Teen Magazine. But without, with all that being said, I would like to introduce our guest for today, Ms. Crystal Bush. Crystal Bush is an actress, writer, director, producer of an amazing award-winning solo show, Chrissy Myth. A Chrissy Myth, uh, The Devil and the Journey Back to Self. Chrissy Myth premiered at the Hollywood Fringe Festival in 2019, Diverse Diva nominee by the LAWTF. So, hey, Crystal, how are you? I'm loving this energy. I'm gonna just, I'm just put that out there. Energy is, is, a, is a major thing to me. So I'm feeling this energy that you get you, that you're yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm just, I'm, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm living a good life right now. I'm so happy and excited and so many amazing things are happening. And I mean, it, it, you know, sometimes I feel, sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel bad. You know, I know a lot of people are going through a lot of things, but at the same time, this is such an amazing opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And, and for me, I just had to look at it that way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, initially, back in March, when this all went down, when LA first went into quarantine and all that, you know, I sometimes I have on my little tin hat and I get a little conspiracy theory, and I was like, oh, the world's coming to an end, you know? And I was like, really afraid. I got really afraid. And yeah. uh, I had to turn that TV off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The TV off and 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 get to what I need to be the truth for me. Yeah, I, yeah. It could definitely okay. consume you. Yeah, so it was definitely a, a moment there where it was kind of like, whoop, whoop, you know? And I was just sitting in front of TV with my little popcorn, just like, oh my God, all these people died. Oh my God, you know? Yeah. And um, it just, uh, it was just such a moment uh, where I had to catch myself. Yeah, yeah. Say, okay, you know, it's okay to listen. And I and I had to say, I'm going to um, listen to, you know, I'm going to pick my days and times. I'm going to listen to the recap, you know, because LA, we had our mayor and our governor would come on. I'm sure they did this across the country, right. locally, your local news. And so I would always try to catch what was going on. You know, maybe I would give myself 30 minutes, make 45 max. Right. 
You know what I'm saying? Cause you know, beginning, you know what I mean? In the beginning, they was talking about, you know, all them checks that was coming. So, you know, I need to know when that was coming. <laughs> you know, I need to know when them checks coming. Look, look y'all, y'all giving out rent money in LA. Let me get in this line. <laughs> Let me get these bills paid, okay? So, you know, I hate it when something happened. I talked to a friend, they'd be like, girl, you know they giving away that there's a grant money. I'm like, where's that girl? Where's it? That I missed that news report. <laughs> so, you know, I tried to keep my ear to the ground when it came to the benefits being distributed. But, um, Amen. you right, right. But for the most part, with it, all that other stuff and everything that was going on, I kind of had to, you know, put my head to the, you know, just like look within and yeah. find joy and the peace and love within myself yeah. and uh, just kind of like pivot a little bit. Yeah. So uh, it was a blessing. Uh, you know, I have a relationship with uh, White Fire Theater. I, you know, did Chrissy Meth last year doing the French. And so it, w- it was just really deep the way it happened. Like, I had just got accepted to LAWTF, which is the Los Angeles Women's Theater Festival for this year. My show was going to be March 20th. And COVID hit. And it was like the literally the first thing that... that that you know got hit in my opinion i know a lot of industries got hit but our the theater industry literally the theaters closed overnight yeah the music industry too i mean we was like nothing yeah so yeah. it was like what yeah. and it was like a moment of fear like oh my god like show oh my god you know and i was just getting ready you know i I'm, i have a career coach up and my, my career coach was just like trying to get me to like start you know getting out there and pitching my show to like big directors to try to get on project you know? right and i was like and i was like oh lord help me what do i say what i say what i say and uh, I was trying to figure that out. And um, and then COVID hit, and I was like, well, I, shit, I guess I don't need to pitch no more. What do I do now? And literally, as soon as I asked that question, Brian, the artistic director and the creator of the White Fire Theater, posted the streaming fest. He, he it popped up on my Facebook. I said, that, see, that's my, that, that, that's what I'm talking about, right? We got a pivot up in it. We got a streaming fest who knew who knew hey they had to come up with something they had to figure it out i mean that thing made you pivot and it made everybody quickly come up with some 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 additional things so i could definitely let me stop you real quick um i definitely want to i definitely want to dive into you know the festival and all of that type of stuff but let's get a little bit of background about who you are i mean i read you know some things about you but let let you tell us um, all of our listeners and stuff, you know. Oh, God. Who am I? Who am I? Yeah. Um, hmm. You know, uh, first and foremost, I'm a child of God. And Amen. So, so um, you know, I, I'm i originally from Chicago. You know, I'm, I'm a black girl from the west side of Chicago. And um, I'm from the suburbs, but, you know, it's all the same. I got fam- my whole family is in Chicago. I, I moved to California um, back a little while ago, and I've been out here by myself for a minute. Uh, my entire family's in Chicago, west side, south side, north side, everywhere, every side, you know. And um, my mom's in Milwaukee, so I got peeps up in Milwaukee, Milwaukee. And uh, so, you know what I mean, I'm, I'm a true Midwesterner. <clears throat> and um, I went to grade school, high school, college in Illinois, you know. Uh, never really left, and uh, at a very young age, I had the honor and the privilege to be able to study uh, in Europe. I, I went to school in South of France. I lived in Europe for seven years, um, and um, you know, I, I w- I'm pretty much a, a regular chick. You know, um, I That's grew not up regular. <laughs> I grew up with my grandparents. You know, I grew up with a. Uh, a God-fearing Southern woman uh, raised by a, a Louisiana black woman, you know what I mean? And uh, who believe in ass whooping. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, I, I was raised like that, you know? So in terms of dignity and self-respect and integrity and um, 
values of hard working, uh, that's where I come from. You know, I, I definitely, um, you know, um, my parents uh, had some issues, and I talk about that a, a bit in my show, uh, which is how I ended up with my grandparents. Um, and I have a huge family, a huge family. Um, I have four um, brothers and sisters on each end. My mom had uh, four other children, and my dad had four other children. Oh, you do have a big family. Yeah, so I have eight nieces and nephews between the two. Uh, yeah, so, uh, and I'm not even about to name all of them because I don't want nobody to get mad. But uh, <laughs> I have, I, and I, I have an amazing family. Um, although, you know, I have an amazing family. It, it was a little, you know, in the beginning, you know, it was a little disjointed. So I definitely grew up kind of like by myself a little bit uh, because I, I, they were separated. You know, everybody was with their respective family. Like my my sisters were with my stepmom because my stepmom and my dad broke up. And then my mom, I wasn't with my mom, so her kids were with her and I didn't grow up in that household. So I, I didn't really grow up with my siblings. Um, so I, I kind of had a, a, a weird family dynamic growing up, um, which was definitely uh, deeply impacted. You know? Uh, so eventually I went away to college. I have, a, you know, went studied business and then I did that, you know, for the practical thing. I always wanted to be an artist the entire time when I was in my undergraduate uh, program. I was good friends with a lot of famous actors today and I, that I went to school with. They were friends of mine at the time. And, you know, they were encouraging me to, you know, move to New York, you know, do live your dream, do your thing. And so when I got my business degree, I was like, you know, I really want to, I really want to try this theater thing out. You know, I really want to see, you know, what, what I can do. And so I ended up going to Roosevelt University downtown, getting my um, theater degree. And then shortly after that, I, uh, some opportunities opened up for me in Sacramento. I moved to Sacramento. And then I worked my way down Sacramento. I was in the Bay Area for a few years and then down to LA. So, yay. <laughs> um, I also see that you're, uh, uh, okay. So, well, let me go back a little bit. Um, you said that you had a normal like uh, childhood, but going over to Europe and studying in Europe, nothing about that is normal. Okay. Because most people don't do that. So how did that come about? Um, I, you know, uh, incidentally, unfortunately, I, I had a hard way to go. Um, at the tail end of that, when I turned like 18, I, ha I had some hardship. And uh, I left home when I was 18. Okay. And uh, uh, me and my grandma, we, uh, you know, finally that, that you know, that it, hey, you know how it go. And I graduated and I was where I was and she was where she was. <laughs> And she was like, yeah, that part. <laughs> you can't go by my rules. You can get the hell out. Get out. Right. So at 18, um, you know, I wasn't down with that. I wasn't happy about that. It was a very traumatic, sad, and tragic experience to leave home at 18 years old. And um, when I left, I didn't have anywhere to go. I, uh, I went, I couch surfed uh, with a few friends, and I'm sure if any, of, if any of my people from Maywood on this live right now, they'll be like, yes, you was on our couch. Uh, I actually, it's funny, because I was dating this guy, and I remember uh, I was uh, staying, I was hiding in his parents' basement uh, for a while. And uh, yeah, I had a hard time, a real hard time. And, um, so, you know, uh, I, I had, I mean, my best friend at the time, we were, her, her dad was like, y'all need to go get in the army reserve. You better go get in the army. Right. <laughs> so we tried to go to the army. And, and at this point, it's late in the game. It's like June. I graduated from high school. I didn't know what to do. I hadn't really, I didn't need college applications because I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and now at this point, I'm homeless. I don't, you know, I got like a little job. It, you know, my life's just topsy-turvy. Right. So I, we went to go um, register to the Army or the Reserve or whatever, and um, 
I did really good on all the tests and stuff. And I think I was, I, I qualified to be like an MP. Like I, I had it going on. I would have been the bomb if I would have went to the army. And uh, cause I, 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 I always loved languages and stuff. So I knew I wanted to travel. So I was like, army's where it's up for me. So when we went to go get in the army girl, they, they were like, um, yeah, so your next swearing date will be like November. And I, it's like July. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't want to get too deep up into it, but I kind of was like somewhere where it wasn't really safe for me. You know? And so I had to make a choice. I had to make a decision about what to do and where to go. Mm -hmm. And so I hurried up and uh, just applied for a whole bunch of state state schools. So, you know, you can apply for Illinois, whatever state school you in in your state last minute, you know, these little schools, because they're not real high in the rankings, whatever, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, at late in the game, I applied to uh, Northern Illinois University, which is about two hours west of Chicago, way out in Cornfield. And I ended up getting accepted. What happened was um, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I applied to be in a language program. Mm -hmm. And it was a it was called the Foreign Language Residency Program. And in this program, you sit and eat with the native speakers. My native language, the language I chose was French. So I lived in a dorm with uh, only in my area only French speaking people. Um, my resident, like it was all different languages, and they put us all in our different groups. So my um, roommate spoke French, and when we went to dinner in the cafeteria, we sat together. We only spoke French, and so um, you know, I, 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 what happened? You know, by the grace of God, I applied for the scholarship, and I got in this program and got a full scholarship for school. Wow. I went to school and got in that program. And um, just, you know, on a whim, me and my roommate, we, we were wild childs, you know, and we, you know, we were 18, 19 years old and we were like, we wanted to go somewhere for spring break. And um, she was like, and I was like, wow, well, you know, she, she was, you know, one of my fair sisters. So she, I was like, I don't want to go to Daytona because back then Daytona was where it was at. Remember that? Yeah. Hey, remember that? And so Daytona was where it was at, boy. And um, I was like, I don't really want to go to Daytona. I wasn't feeling Daytona like that, you know, because I'm like, I'm already brown. What's up? How you doing? So, <laughs> <laughs> so, and she, I don't know, some kind of way, she was like, well, what if we went to France? And I was like, girl, I, I said to her, I said, her name was Amy. I said, Amy, girl, I ain't thinking about you. So I said, I said, I got $700 after my scholarship. Like, after all my school is paid for, I got $700. You get us to France and back for $700, I'll go to France for spring break with you, okay? Honey, child, went to, spring, went to France for spring break. Girl, didn't come back. <laughs> Girl, I met John Paul and you know everybody, everything. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I went and did that, dude. <laughs> I did it. I did that. Um, and then I came back a new woman. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it was a beautiful thing. You know, it's funny because I was in France last year for the when they won the World Cup and stuff, and it's such a different energy now. You know, when I was there, uh, people really loved me. And uh, they, you know, you walk down the street, they'd be like, American girl, black, cool, you know, say genial, you know. It was like the bomb. It, 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 you, I was like a beauty queen. People right. would come up to me and, and, and kiss me, and, you know, they do the beauty. The three kisses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, oh, bonjour, American girl, you know. And oh man, and I was there last year, and I, it was like, man, and they were looking at us like, dude, like, man, it was not good. The energy has definitely changed. Yeah, yeah. I actually used to speak um, speak French. Uh, that was one of my um, courses that I took in high school. I can't really say too much outside of comment allez-vous and, you know, right, right. And all things, but. Yeah, I took that. I didn't want to take Spanish, although I was living in Tampa, which everybody was Spanish. So, I mean, spoke Spanish. So, I don't know what my mind was thinking at that moment, but I wanted to be a rebel. Right. And it's funny because I live in LA, and honey, I'm trying to learn Spanish right now, and I'm just like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So, you went over there, um, and you went over there 
for spring break, ended up moving over there, and then... No, being an immigrant and illegally staying. No. Let's just keep it real. <laughs> okay, so um, when did you come back, and when did you... Your... I, I came back and forth over the course of some years. I came back, and then I went back, and then I ended up going to school, because I, I was illegal, so I had to, like, come back, you know, and then when I came back, um, no, then I went back and I actually was legit, you know, got my visa, got my student stuff and uh, went, went to school there for a couple of years and then came back. Okay. Yeah. So when did your acting um, career begin? Yeah. So one, once I decided to stop globe trotting and running all over the place, because there was a in the time that I went and lived in France, I was traveling a lot of places, all throughout Europe and the, and uh, down in the Caribbean. I loved the Caribbean. I was in Jamaica for a little while, all kinds. Just I was being a twenty-something-year-old. You know what right. I mean? Just living my best life. It was like I love y'all put me out in the streets <laughs> and deuces. Um, <laughs> the world is my oyster, my darling. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I took it, um, which is which is a good thing for an eighteen year old at the time. You know, it was a very positive thing. I could have done a lot of things, right? Yeah, because I did the other things later. Praise God. Right. Uh, but at that at that age, I did. I was. I my head was screwed on pretty tight, and I I did good, and I just went out and had an amazing experience in my life and educated myself and increased my knowledge and information about the world on this whole different level. Was, at that age, in my early 20s, it was such a beautiful and wonderful thing to do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so I came back and when I when I got settled back in the States and, uh, you know, got back into school because, you know, I got kicked out of school and all that. And... Uh, had to re re what they said reinstate. I remember like when I when they went and they gave me my information. Like you have to you have to go to the community college. It's like you get kicked in your in your chin because they're like you got to go to community college and then you can come back to the university. Okay, go go get your shit. You get your stuff together because <laughs> you didn't failed everything. <laughs> so I had to go. <laughs> hey, I had to go do the do. And, uh, and then I came back and then I got on track and then I, you know, I went to Roosevelt and got my MFA in acting and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. So you got your thing in acting and then, um, tell us about your first time on stage. Were you nervous? Oh my God. Um, the first show I ever did, I was old. I mean, I, I think, but it's so important though because I think I my story is inspiring because I was like I started late doing everything like I didn't start dancing ballet till I was like 30 I didn't do my first play until I was 20 but see that's a good thing because you know so many people I mean to be very honest with you think that they've missed their boat you know on their dreams and they don't even try because they're like ah it's you know it's too late for me so you know hearing that you had this you've always had you know a dream and passion about doing it but it took you a while to actually start doing it so that's not a bad thing um for our listeners because it can encourage them to say it doesn't matter what age you start as long as you start and you do something that you love so kudos to you Thank you. And it's funny because it's interesting when you do something that you love because it's a funny thing. In your mind, you think it's too late. But yeah. if it's something that you love, you get in there, you do it, and you make it happen. And then everybody, all your little haters, right, they stand around. Because I, when I was 30, so by the time I turned like 32, 33, I'm professionally dancing, right? So I'm at, I'm at like dance auditions and uh, rehearsals and different shows and doing stuff and people are like looking at me like oh you've been dancing since you're like five and it's like no bitch. <laughs> right no you know and it's funny because people are so quick to put a judgment on you and you know they just know you off the bat they look at you and they paint you you know and uh, and I've always had that where people look at me and they go, oh, well, you, da, da, da. oh, well, you can do that. Oh, well, that's you. And it's like, right. I didn't come from any outstanding circumstances where people were giving me. Right. You know I mean? 
So um, I had to like really fight for everything that I have and and not fight, but just like really, really get focused and really, really do to do because uh, where I'm from, where nobody giving me nothing. Right. So I, you know, I, I always wanted to dance. So I just one day was like, I'm going to dance. So I went to San Francisco Dance Center. I went every day. You know, I got to a point where it was right around the time Lion King when Lion King. I remember Lion King at first came out. My, I had this little Russian dance teacher. She was like 25, and I went to her and I was like, Oh my God, are you gonna go to the Lion King auditions? And she was like, Oh no, Cristal, I'm too old. And I was like, shit, I'm going. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I'm going. Um, and I didn't. I, I didn't get in Lion King, but I got in a whole bunch of other stuff after Lion King. You feel me? Like I'm like, I'm. Hey, I. I ain't got time. I'm like, I look beautiful. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> look, this is my best body. What you talking about? <laughs> you old girl, get out of here. So, um, yeah, but the first time I did a, a show, it was called Anna LaCosta in a small theater in Evanston, California. Oh, what am I saying? Evanston, Illinois. Uh, it was my first play, uh, and it, it was a weird play, but it, it was it was good, and it was exciting, and I was so proud of myself. I couldn't believe I did it. I remember, like, I didn't have a car. I was living on the north side of Chicago, and I literally had the, and the train would stop at a certain time um, going to Evanston, because Evanston is a suburb, it's where Northwestern University is, right? And I would have to like walk to the theater in the snow. I just remember like walking in like, you know what I mean? Like walking. <laughs> like 10 o'clock at night, walking home from rehearsal in like six feet of snow. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay, so so tell us about your one-woman show. My one-woman show, so when I moved to Sacramento, uh, I met some amazing, beautiful people, and a lot of them today are just totally amazing. Uh, but we had a moment in time, and uh, I met some, you know, I, I was just always, like I said, I've just always been a long ranger, you know. I came to California by myself. I, you know, I didn't have a real close relationship with my siblings. We're working on that now, but at the time, I kind of was like a little bit of a wild child. I was very, you know, I was very angry, you know, and um, I was angry and hurt and wounded and da 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 da. And I was dealing with my own pain, you know. And I think, you know, because today me and my sisters we talk about this stuff and you know because it's sad because we missed this moment to, to have a you know to be sisters right but I I was um I was the oldest and in my you know I I feel like I was you know hurt the most you know I I I was the the uh experiment right because <laughs> at that point nobody had any kids right so I was the first one that everybody was like oh what do we do oh you know uh, and, and they were able to have like an amazing life and people took care of them and gave them birthday parties and gifts and blah, blah. I didn't get none of that anyway so I, I didn't so uh, you know I, I went on in my life and um, uh, when I was uh, so I'm like in my 30s and um, I'm living in Sacramento and uh, you know drugs uh, was was huge. It was it had already been like the crack epidemic had came and went in the eighties. Uh, it didn't go away. It just kind of chilled out, you know. Uh, and now the new the new skin in the game was methamphetamine. And I had never heard of it. I didn't I didn't know nothing about none of that stuff. You know what I mean? Because that wasn't my thing. Uh, but now here I am, you know, young and beautiful and living my best life, living in Sacramento. And I meet some people and. Um, and you know, I, I wanted to party. I, I didn't, you know, it was one of those things where like, I, I went from high school to undergraduate, dropped out, da, 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 did all that, went back to school, went straight from undergraduate to graduate school, which is a three year program. And by the time I got out of school, I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, you know, I, you know, 
I feel like it's one of those things where I knew I had this moment in time to try it. You know, it was a brief moment. And I, I, I was always curious, you know, because like everybody was on drugs. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. All the, on the out, not in your personal life, but you know, everybody like on the outside, right? You hear about baby son and all this, like all, all these people around me, right? Are drugs, but not me, you know? And so I was curious, you know, I was, I think everybody is curious. You're intrigued by it, right? So I was really intrigued by it. I met some people and unfortunately, um, you know, fortunate, unfortunate, whatever. I met a group of people who were like, you know, in that. They was just in it. Not kind of, sort of, maybe they was in it. <laughs> but I didn't know that. So that's the part, right? Kind of like a little bit of man manipulation, a little bit of like, you know, kind of being lured into something that you don't know, you know? And um, so, yeah, I um, tried meth the first time. And uh, this isn't my show. The first time I tried meth, I'm up for uh, like six or seven days. Mm. So, uh, and then from there, and I was going through a lot and um, it was a lot going on, you know, um, a lot of pain and hurt and resentment. And, you know, I was living in California. I was by myself. I didn't, I was in and out of jobs and stuff like that. I didn't have money to go back home. I wanted to go back home, but I couldn't. So a lot, just a lot was going on. And so then there's like friction between my family because of that. People think that I'm not coming home because I'm angry with my grandmother, but I wasn't. I was just really on drugs. And by the time my family kind of like intervened in my life, kind of like start checking in with me, by the time they kind of really start checking on me, I was gone. You know, I was like 50 pounds, knee deep in it. Wow. Done, you know? Uh, so, and then now I'm strung out, I'm, I'm strung out, I'm skinny as fuck. I left Chicago, uh, a, a, well, 14, size, but like a 14, 12, 14 when I left Chicago. And at this point, I'm like barely a four, <laughs> you know? You can see my ribs, I'm hecka skinny, and I'm scared, I don't wanna go home. I feel really embarrassed because I lost a lot of weight and I don't really wanna, I don't know how to explain how I lost all this weight. Although I look good, girl. <laughs> hey, um, so I I was just like really embarrassed and scared, but I, I look good, you know what I mean? I look good. I was like, hey, how about that flex? You ever had a flex? Like, I had never had a six pack. I was like, what? Um, <laughs> I'm not now you know I'm not advocating that but you know what I'm saying in the moment it was it was that's what it was for me I was like wow it was fascinating it was sad when I first I, and I didn't know it at first I had a boyfriend and um I, he was a boy he was a guy I knew and he liked me and uh, I would run away from the drug people and go hide and hang out with him and get away from them when I was trying to like get back get back in control uh -huh. and I remember I went on a date with him and he looked at me and he was like, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you've lost a lot of weight. And I was like, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I look good. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I went home and I had brought back, I had brought from Chicago with me a pair, you know, them coochie cutters that you like, I'm going to get back in these jeans. I'm going to get in these jeans. I have bought a pair of bell-bottom jeans that I love, that I couldn't fit no more, but I brought them with me. Girl, I went home, I put them jeans on and they fell to the floor. And I just cried, because I was like, whoa. And the jeans, looking at myself in the mirror and seeing the jeans on the floor, the fact that I couldn't even button, I couldn't even make them hang on my hips. I was so skinny. And I had no idea. I had no idea. And I think that was the beginning of me trying to get back in control. I had no idea that I had lost so much weight. I didn't know I looked the way I looked. And I didn't I didn't even want to believe that I was strung out at that time. How 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 long uh, were you on that? 
about two and a half, three years. You know, it's like give or take. Cause about the last half a year was me trying to get off. So the last half a year was just getting off and falling, and getting off and falling. You know, like that recovery process of like, you know, you'd be clean for two or three months and then something would happen. And then I would go get high just because, you know, I, drugs for me were, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful um, bomb for the pain, right? There was so much pain in my life. I was so unhappy and hurt about so many different things. And I talk about this stuff in the show, but um, you know, I had a, I was disconnected from my mother. I was disconnected from my father. My grandmother was on her deathbed. It was a lot going on and I was by myself. Right. I, I, my family was, we, you know, you don't tell, you don't, I didn't grow up in a family where people talk, nobody talked, you know? Uh, so it was just like, you just deal with it, right? This thing where you just deal, you just cope. So you just put on your face and you just keep it moving. And I, I can't tell you that that's the best way to be. Right. I think that's how we end up in the situations we end up in. Because nobody talks about anything. People don't want to acknowledge the dirt and the disgust and the bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> but people don't want to acknowledge this stuff. So that's how we end up in situations we end. Uh, look around. I'm not naming no names, but you know, there are people struggling right now with mental disabilities and drug use and all kinds of things you know people are hurting and struggling in life and when you don't have an outlet to talk about these things this is what happens right sad and so that's what happened so I fell I fell like a little wilted flower you know I was so hurt and I didn't know what to do and there were times in and out of my addiction when you know it would have been so nice to just do that one hit that I never had to wake up again and I wanted it I prayed for it I, I begged for it and in the show you see when I dance when I do that dance, right? There's a dance I do where it's like, okay, I'm gonna take this one more hit and it's gonna be a deuce out. Um, and you know, to be in that space, to be in a place where um uh you don't wanna live. You know, uh it's a very painful place to be. Right is sad and it's uh it, it just uh, it's uh it was heartbreaking and I knew I knew I could do better and I I wanted to do better but I couldn't at that time and I was so strung out I was so on drugs and and I loved it you know when you're on drug when when I was on drugs everybody's different but for me it was a, I found a freedom in it and the number one thing that I found in it, that this is how I think it gets you, is that like you, for me, it suppressed my emotions. Right, numbs your pain. It numbs the pain. Right. Right, like in my show, there is a moment when I say, oh, I haven't been to sleep, right? Um, and, and I don't, is there a moment? Oh yeah, in the, in the show, I talk about how I can't cry. Right, I, I don't feel anything. I, I, I like I'm a cry like I'm crying about to cry now, right? So I'm such a crybaby. Like I, I was so tired of crying. It was so amazing to not cry. Oh my god, it was just not a, I was like, oh my god, I'm not crying. Like I wanna cry, but I can't. And um and so and I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. And I loved it. And because I was so tired of being hurt and in pain. And so that's, it, it, it's a bomb and it, it, it's a, you know, like this lip balm. It, it's a bomb, it soothes your soul. And it's, it's such a brief moment. It's soothing and it's exciting and it's elating and it's, it's provocative and it's sexy and it's all these things. And then the, then, then I'm lights, then that light switch hits, right? And then it, and then the darkness comes, and then you really go to the bottom. And and if you're lucky, you might come back to the light. And, and it, what was what was the bottom for you? Um, I I was pretty bottom. Um, you know I was um, 
kind of a homeless crackhead for a little while. Okay, so so how did you pull yourself out of that? Because I mean, I, that has to be hard. And like you said, you didn't really have the support from your family. So how did where did you find that strength to pull yourself up? You know, I think that the most amazing thing about my drug addiction was that um, I believe that God was with me the entire time. And there were so many times when people would talk to me and um, they would say, oh, you're so pretty. Why are you out here like that? You know? Why are you out here? You're too pretty to be out here like that. You know? You're so gorgeous. You're so intelligent. Why are you out here like this? And I was just like, eh. you know, I didn't care. And I would smoke. <laughs> I, would, I was so defiant. You know, I was just such a little rebel. I, I, I'm who I am on drugs. Away. You know what I mean? I'm just like this little rebel. And uh, I just, I didn't care. I just would mock it. But I remember, um, I remember thinking about it and praying about it when I was trying to get out of it. And I remember thinking about all the people and the things that they would say. I remember one time I was at a party and then, you know, they have these parties and there's different rooms. You know, you have the crack room, the meth room, and the heroin room, right? And I remember I wanted to try heroin so bad. And one of my, one of the characters in my show who, who ends up being a good friend of mine, his name is Floozy. And he was like this drag queen and, and, and a sister mother, you know? And Fluzy was just like, he wouldn't let me. He wouldn't let me do the heroin, you know? And he yelled at me. And we were sitting in the living room and I remember like arguing with him, like almost fighting with him to go do the heroin, right? And he was like, you can't, you don't, you know? He just like totally yelled at me. He pushed me and he just, he just yelled at me. He was just like, why are you doing this? Like, I can't remember all the words, but you know, just like that, that moment where this person who the last person on earth you would expect to get in your face and get you straight, right? He, right. he like got in my, like back in the day, we call it Jack your slacks, right? He got in my face and was like, no, you're not doing this. You are too beautiful. You're too, he's like, you want to be like me? What do you do? Why are you doing this? And he just, he just, he just went off on me. He just went off on me. And I remember like trying to dismiss him. Like he ain't no, he a fucking heroin addict. Like how you gonna tell me, <laughs> you know? And I remember like trying to dismiss that. But of course, you know, when I went home in my private space, I was like, somebody's looking out for me. Somebody's looking out for me. So um, I lost Floozy. Hmm. We had a time together. We had a time together. We went all the way to the bottom together. And uh, I lost him. And uh, for, you know, at the time, I was continuing to try to do theater as high as I was. <laughs> uh, and I did too. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I was doing theater. And um, I met a brother. Uh, there was a brother, uh, I was in a play. I was in, now I'm, I'm in Oakland. I was in a play and uh, a black play. And there was a brother named OJ Kemp, who, uh, I'm sorry, AJ Kemp. AJ Kemp, he's a DJ in the Bay Area right now to this day. I forget what station he's on. AJ Kemp, I had met AJ Kemp. He was the sound guy of the show I was in. And he would always be like, hitting on me you know what I'm saying he'd be like oh you should, you should go out da, da, da. and I and I remember one day I yelled at him I was like AJ you are too old for me okay so let that be <laughs> you know what I mean I'm like Ugh. and so uh, but he one day he said he's like oh, well let's just be friends or something like that you know so we we became friends and you know I didn't know it but AJ was a, a, a sponsor mm. and a recovering addict. 
And he he had been all over the world. He had lived in London for a while. He had a mean drug addiction when he lived in London and um, came back and now he's like a sponsor. And so, you know, AJ saw me a mile away. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I was, I was, I was topsy-turvy, like I was strung out, but I was still moving forward. I was still doing the do, you know, I was still getting out. Functional. I was functioning. And so, but he saw it, you know? And I'm sure everybody, a lot of people saw it, but nobody, you know, you know. Nobody. Yeah, I was, and I was sassy too, you know, you can't, you can't tell me nothing, you know. So I, or at least at that time, I was real sassy. So when people would say stuff, I'd be like, um. (laughs) So, um. So then he called me one day um, and was like, you know, I talk about this in the show. He calls me one day. He's talking real fast. You know, he's like, hey, uh, I got a room for rent, da, da, da. And I'm like, what? So, like, why, you know? And so he lures me into, to live, to move out of Oakland, which is, which is like right there in the way, way, right where Pac used to be, like in, in the dirty, dirty, they call it the lower bottoms. I'm staying in the lower bottoms. And he, he lured me out of the lower bottoms uh, into like San Leandro, which is like a suburban area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and girl, he did a, he did a intervention on me. Got my, got me in a clean and sober house. Got me in a clean and sober house. So, and it, it wasn't easy. <laughs> um, but I moved and I, I moved into the house and, uh, the first you know, a couple of years was hard. And uh, cause, um, you know, he lured me at the height of my party. I was not trying to stop at that time. And uh, so, you know, I, I had some growing pains in the beginning, but eventually I got in the house and I became, you know, a leader in the house. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was deep. It was, it was a long road, it was a long road. And I, I lived in the house for a very long time too, for those, you know, for people, you know, um, I, I, um, I allowed myself to just be there. I, I didn't care. I, I didn't put a time on it. I left when it was time. So a lot of people come in the house and they're kicking and screaming the whole time. I came in the house and I had my moments and yeah, I got high when I was in the house. I think it is what it is, you know? You, when you're in the height of your party, you're not ready, especially if somebody did an intervention on you, you know how it is. If you're not ready to stop, you're not ready to stop. But being in the environment, in a recovery environment, helped me to get on the path to stop, right? And so being around the sponsor, being, you know, being forced to go to, um, in a, you know, being forced to go to the meetings and having the meetings at the house and being in an environment where you're being around people who are trying to be a positive light of sobriety to you. Uh, it was inspiring. And I wanted to, at some point, you know, I got myself together and I carried that torch, you know. And, um, but I, I was in the house for almost four years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I stayed there a good little while. I didn't want to leave right away, you know, because I wasn't sure. Probably and scared too. Yeah, yeah. So I stayed there a good little while, and then you know I left when it was time and when I was ready, and then I left, and uh, and it was like a light switch, you know. I never talked about it. I never told nobody. I just went. I got in a huge musical. I got in my first equity paying gig you know and i got a new group of friends and i I went on with my life and i never talked about it and my sisters look my look my i when i I wrote i was at home when i was writing the script right and i gave a little bit over to my sister and she's like girl you ain't telling me nothing i didn't know (laughs) so uh i was um you know, I had hit, I had hit about, I hit it and I didn't talk about it and I denied it, you know, and I completely denied it to my family. I would never tell my family the truth about that. Never. And, um, you know, when, when it was time for me to write the show, I remember I was trying to write the show about something different. I was trying to write about love, you know, and I was trying to write about the man that I met out of my recovery that I ended up being with for nine years. 
was trying to write about him. And, um, but it, it didn't work out because when I was in the writing process, people kept going, but, but wait, how did you, but, but then, but, how, but, but that don't make sense, you know? And I was like, and I remember I came home and I said, God, am I supposed to tell this story? Is this what we gonna tell? Yeah. But you, you, you see that um, what, what God ended up doing is he ended up using your story and everything that you've been through to now shed light and it's going to help other people. So that's how Chrissy Meth was born. Wow. Okay. So a dance with the devil and the journey back to self. That's an amazing title. Um, when did you officially have your first uh, debut Oh, uh, June 6th at the Hollywood Fringe last year. Oh, okay. I started, yeah, I started writing it like late 2018. I was at home in Chicago for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I had signed, look girl, I signed up for these writing classes and I was trying to cancel the writing class, right? And the girl, she ended up being my director. She was like, yeah, no. She was like, yeah, we can Skype. I was like, and she was like, yeah, so you just have the four pages ready. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm at home in Chicago. Yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll deal with that later. She's like, no, we can Skype. <laughs> I was like, oh, and I stayed, girl, I stayed up all night trying to write them four pages. <laughs> wow. That's how it started. And so I started writing it and, um, and then I just, you know, I, I was scared. I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell the truth, you know? And, and then I just, you know, I, and then, you know, I, I've been through a lot of healing myself. So I, I was going through my healing and, you know, in my recovery process, I use yoga and meditation and prayer in my recovery process. And I believe in that and it helped me. And so uh, in my, you know, in my thing, I, I talk about that. And um, in the show, I acknowledge that. And, um, and so, um, that healing that I've been going through, it allowed me to be able to say, okay, I'm gonna tell this story and I'm gonna tell it the way I'm gonna tell it. You know right. what I mean? It is what it is. The dirty, right. the dark, the ugly, the everything. Right. Uh, and and so I tell it. So That's in in, um, in this journey, you also um, was going in and out of abusive relationships. Um, how did you finally say enough? Um, I think, I think that when you are vulnerable and when you are on drugs, what, and, and drugs is every, anything, right? So for those out there watching, you may not be on drugs, but your thing may be food. It may be sugar. It may be alcohol. It may be pill popping. I got a lot of pill poppers out here in LA. Right. And they think it's okay, you know? So it's like, no, baby, you're slip showing, you know? So, you know, your thing might be your thing, but anything that you're using that is to help you cope emotionally, it's, it's an addiction, it's a crutch. Yeah. So um, when you are not conscious, when you are not taking control and dominion over your own life, and you allow other people to control you or you're so out of it then they think they can control you, right. right so that's what happens i believe that wholeheartedly you know when you find yourself in these situations where people are being abusive and physically verbally whatever it's because you're not uh, asserting a certain level of authority and uh, control and confidence in your own self, in your own body, in your own mind. Because people who do things like that, they prey on weakness. Yeah. When you're being weak, and in and, and this whole weakness, strong thing, it, you know, and you know, we get it confused. The strong strongness does not have to equate masculinity. You can still be your feminine woman self, but being strong in who you are in the belief of you, who, what you can do in your life and, and, and standing by 
being a child of God. And I think that's the other thing too, is the spirituality aspect of knowing who you are inside, you know? So that, that's how I think that when I, cause when, when I went in recovery, none of that stuff can fly, right? You can't abuse me now cause I'm conscious. Right. I'm not high on drugs. You can't beat the shit out of me now because I'm, because see, back then I was a buck five. You could throw me around. I was little. I was high. You could do that. Because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't love myself. And I'm looking for love from someone who could give to, you know. And because that person is broken. Right. And I don't know what it is about people, even here in Hollywood, you know, it's a trip watching the landscape of like weakness versus strength and power, right? This ability to, you know, pounce on people when they're at their lowest, right? And the need, the the fact that people get off on doing that, it's disgusting and it's sad. And it just, it, it, it breaks my heart every time I see stuff like that, you know, um, just, you know, just a, a classic example, just the Harvey Weinstein situation, you know, just all, all of those kind of circumstances where people are being abused and taken advantage of um, in the pursuit of their art or a living or whatever. Um, it, it, I don't know what that is. And I don't think that we're ever going to get to the bottom of that. And I don't think that, um, you know, maybe we're not even supposed to. It just is what it is. Like we, we are all individuals and we are all living and having our own experience in this life right now. And it's up to you to decide how you want to live your life. Right. And, and how you want to live your life and in living that life, just finding love for yourself because nobody else it is nobody else's responsibility and nobody else is going to love you the way you need to love yourself and that I can't tell you the lessons I've learned from not doing that for myself right not looking out for myself for not loving myself and for accepting and dealing with other people's junk because I didn't feel good about myself yeah so that's why I have a big smile on my face right now and that's why I was walking down the street and I almost fell today because I was looking in the sky smiling (laughs) I was in the clouds (laughs) and God said oh you're on earth hello hello earth to crystal (laughs) well I am um you know glad to see that you were able to turn your life around um, because there's so many that hit bottom and they don't recover from that so you you recovering from that and then being bold and strong enough to tell your story I know that took a lot um, you know because you're being very transparent and um, you know through you being transparent, I, I would imagine it's a healing process, um, you know, for you as well. Because like even with my book, Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying, I was so transparent. I was so nervous and so scared to write the book because it's about my life and my ups and downs in this music industry, my divorce and all of these things. And of course, I was terrified to let people hear about it or to write about it or even put it on paper, you know. Um, but what I found was that it was therapeutic for me um, and it helped me heal a lot. So I would imagine, you know, when you're doing um, your Chrissy Myth, the dance with the devil and back to self, back to self um, I'm sure when you're doing um, your show, you're honestly touching a lot of people, but in the process, you're, you're healing a lot of things within yourself. So, I mean, I truly command, commend you for that honestly yeah you know I I was really scared at the beginning when I it was one thing to write it writing it was deep right because you're writing it and it's like reading a book right you know how you you used to read a book and then you cry about it right now we're writing our own stories and you're crying about it right I had that moment but then I had to go actually put it on his feet and act it out 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was another doozy. Yeah. And I was a little nervous, but I am proud to say, as much as I do simulated drug use and act it out and talk about it, I am so 100% so far away from all of that. I am merely telling a story. I'm telling my story and with the hopes of touching somebody else and showing them another way. Yeah. And showing them that their story. And I think the most important thing about my story, because it's so dark, dirty, and nasty. Oh my God. Uh, a lot of people who go there, they think that they're the only ones. And so they don't want to talk about it. So I got real dirty and dark with it to show you. You ain't the only one. You're not the only one. It's a lot of brothers and sisters out here in LA on Skid Row, you know, and they always they they talk like you know like oh this just happened to me da, da, da. and it's like well you know it, you're not the only one. It's a lot of people that go to the bottom. Yeah, a lot of people go to the bottom, you know. So uh, that that's the part, you know. Uh, you can go you can go there, but you don't have to stay there. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so um, we're going to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Yes. Where can people, um, where can people um, find you? And you was you was uh, talking about uh, during the COVID now that you was able to submit it uh, to submit your um, your play. Uh huh for um the online uh, yeah it's um it's uh white fire so www.whitefire.com white i'm sorry whitefiretheater.com uh and on if you go on their main website you it'll say the streaming fest so it's the first streaming festival so because people can't come to the theater right guess what you can stay in your little quarantine corner with your little laptop or your phone. You can Netflix and Chrissy Meth chill with me, baby. And uh, <laughs> so you can see me. You can blow me up on your big screen or you can have me on your little phone. Whatever, whatever, yo, how you do it, however you do it. But uh, whitefiretheater.com, uh, Chrissy Meth. A Dance with the Devil and the Journey Back to, se to Self will be, um, will live stream August 22nd, 7 p.m. Pacific, because that's important because people are going to be from all over the world. 7 p.m. Pacific. I don't know what that is in Chicago and New York. Y'all figure that out. Um, <laughs> I think it's like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock Chicago, 10 o'clock New York. Yeah, because I Brian said, well, you know, New Yorkers, they're up late. <laughs> uh, so that, it's all good. So, um, yeah, so we I'm going to do a live stream. Uh, I would love to see everybody, you know, come hang out with me. I'm going to do a, uh, we'll do a live chat after the show is over. Uh, I'm going to do the full, it's a 60-minute show, so I'll do the full one-hour show. Uh, with the lights and the everything, I'm gonna, we're gonna do it on stage. Now, um, he's been playing around. It, it, it's going to be shot like theater, so it won't be like a movie, y'all. So it's different, right? Looking at a stage production on video versus something that's shot to be a movie. It's a different dynamic. Right. So we're shooting a stage performance digitally. So. Just because, you know, some of my um, techie film people, <laughs> you know. Brian said that he's, I think that they're experimenting with doing some shots where, you know, the it's like the audience with the camera versus in the, inside the theater. Uh -huh. He's been playing around with that, I think, because the streaming fest is happening right now. It's just my show is not until August. Um, but, yeah, he uh, is playing around with uh, shooting it kind of more like, kind of like a movie, kind of, sort of. So we'll see how it all, uh, how that works out. But it's it's going to be amazing either way it goes. It should be really good. I, I take my show. I've seen the show already. Uh, that's how I was, I made a, that amazing uh, sizzle reel. So Yeah, I like the sizzle reel. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so um, it looks good. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 
it you know it's a different dynamic for sure but um i think it's a very powerful and profound story and if you you know get the family and sit around the tv get your popcorn get everything it's 60 minutes so it goes by quick uh and there's no intermission so pee drink do everything you gotta do (laughs) and um and yeah, and so we'll live stream. I, I believe your tickets will give you a 48-hour access. Okay. So you'll get 48 hours to watch it if you can't make it on the 22nd. Uh, and then it then it will uh, expire uh, within 48 hours. So. so you get a little elbow room, you know. But the 22nd, if you want to see it live, 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 it will be August 22nd. Well, I am definitely I'm going to make sure that I tune in. Um, I did see the sizzle reel and I was like, whoa, like he was pulling a lot of emotions out of just the the sizzle reel. So I I definitely want to tune in. And after hearing your story, um, you know, now it definitely makes me want to see it um, and everything. So I highly recommend that everybody um, do tune in. Uh, What I ask is that on the Facebook page, if you go on there and just put, uh, you know, whatever the link is going to be or the information again on the Facebook page, because a lot of the um, listeners, they come back and they listen to the show um, and everything so they can, you know, still have the information and know where to go um, for August 22nd. But I am definitely going to tune in myself in support. I'm very um, excited for you because I, I can see this really turning into some major, major thing for you. So um, what's next for you? And um, do you have a website where can people find you? No, I don't have, you know, okay. So my website is Crystal Bush, the actress, and it's not up. It's under construction because uh, because it's just so hard doing all this stuff. Um, so please forgive me. I'm working on it, you guys. Please forgive me. But um, but you can communicate with me um, at I am Crystal Bush on Instagram. I am Crystal Bush on Instagram. You can travel me on Facebook at Crystal Bush. And I have a fan page, uh, Crystal Bush the Actress fan page on Facebook. So those are some of the best places to get a hold of me. Uh, on my Facebook, you can also see my sizzle reel and all the information about the show. I will constantly be posting about it. So you know you won't ever forget. Um, <laughs> and, um, and as well, I will go on this, uh, on yours as well and put the information as well. But those are the best places right now. I can't do too many. Yeah, I can't do too many. Facebook is where it's at for me. That's the best place. And Instagram. I do look at my Instagram direct messages and stuff like that. And I look at my Facebook direct messages. So that's the best place to contact me. Okay. Well, there you have it, everybody. Um, I want to thank you so much, Crystal, uh, for being on Transparency Talks Podcast. We're going to sign off for Facebook. And um, and then I'm going to talk to you real quick. But thank you, guys. And um, thanks for tuning in to Transparency Talks Podcast. And we are out of here. I admitted I did it. I cheated so well. Didn't pass it. Had to have it. Didn't want to give it up. He didn't mean a thing. I put that on everything. Just wanted something different. Thanks again for tuning in to Transparency Talks podcast brought to you today by SW Entertainment.